0: You know, coming out of COVID-19 has been a challenge for all sorts of businesses, but especially the not-for-profits, the 501c3s that do so much good. Tony Brinker founded Operation Blue Shield over six years ago, and it's morphed into something even broader, One Community USA. But it's kept going, and uh, it's back and doing more good, and we're happy to have Tony Brinker with us right now. It's good to have you with us.
1: Oh, thank you, David.
0: So you've been learning a lot. We've we've talked to you as you've sort of learned the the not-for-profit business, but how about running one through a pandemic? I guess you never thought you'd be doing that.
1: (laughs) I didn't. And actually, I started a program, which is a prisoner re-entry and diversion program. And we were up and running. And about that time, COVID hit so everything that we had on the books in terms of going into the prisons and getting people to be able to participate in our program was completely stalled and stayed that way for the next 18 months so if you're a business owner i can assure you whether you're a nonprofit or a for-profit Starting a business during that time where you don't have access to any of your clients is difficult.
0: You know, you, you and I lost a lot of our favorite restaurants and small businesses. And to this day, it's it's hard to get parts to fix things that are broken. Businesses just went out. And, and a lot of not-for-profits did, too.
1: Correct. So... It's hard for people when they're scared about what's going on around the world to think about giving outward because you're so focused on what's coming in, you know, how how this is affecting your family. So donations in most cases for nonprofits dried up considerably, uh, with the exception of those that focused on feeding families, which was a critical key need during the uh covid height uh, in terms of um people being without work having no income coming in and being scared to even go to the grocery store so unless you're feeding america or food banks uh, people did not look beyond the rest of the world uh, in order to continue funding nonprofits that make such a difference. Well,
0: one of the great things about about your project and and, and continues to be, is it's sort of a combination of of everyday citizens and frontline responders and community leaders all sort of working together, coming together. But again, you have to, in some cases, physically get all those people together. And the frontline responders just didn't have time to do much else than frontline respond right now are things calming down
1: they're calming down and I will tell you that our team and these frontline uh, first responders including law enforcement they were out on the street every day during covid we were also on the streets every day during covid we had in our programs um barbershop owners this is a program we called shop talk and in the height of the pandemic They called us and they called, uh, in this case, the Irving Police Department and said, we have people in our community who are in dire straits and have no food. We know people who are selling the last thing that they own, including one family that had a car that had to sell the car in order just to be able to buy food. And they ask us to help. And I said, so you're telling me that are people worse off than you, you don't have a job. You've had to close your shop, you have no income. And they said, yes, that's correct. So I said, look, we will feed them, we will provide them with essentials and we will give them um, enough staple products for a family of five for a eight day period. But I just don't wanna go out and hand food out. What I'd like for you to do is vet the families. I need to make sure that they actually do need the, these, these, uh, this food, and then I'm going to be bringing in the police department, but I don't want to feed 3000 people at one time because in a COVID environment that is complicated to the stratosphere because of the George Floyd incident, I don't need my officers to be directing traffic. Mm. I need to build a bridge of trust during this time. So we would feed 20 to 50 families at a time. And we would do this at the um, Irving Police Academy. The chief was there, his assistant chiefs were there, his community engagement officers were there. My team was there. And then the families would come in come through the uh, the COVID protocol set up, you know, arrangements that we had. And then it gave the chief and the officers an opportunity to talk to acknowledge each other. Chief Spivey uh, is the chief there. He was able to say hi, my name is Chief Spivey. I know times are difficult. I know here's some food, here's some clothing, one is with us. If you need us, here's my card, call me. So in those trying times, of uh, no one knowing what tomorrow would bring, we were able to build bridges of trust that also carried us through the height of the, COVID, uh, the George Floyd incident and all the negative racial things that were being said on both sides, but particularly the negative things that were said about our frontline first responders.
0: Well, you know, people are always you know in 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 dire straits people dig down and they do herculean things and you know they do what they need to and then a lot of times it sort of goes back to the way it used to be what are you seeing what's the outgrowth of that what's the aftermath of of those meetings
1: i think the aftermath on the street level which is where we work we we like to do what we call boots on the ground programs yeah. because i can't change your community unless I get input from the people who live there. And so to backtrack, I can't make a community safe without both sides, community stakeholders and first responders coming together. A community cannot um, make itself safe. And law enforcement can't come in with a heavy hand to make a community safe. So I've got to take input from both sides. The outcome over the last two arduous years has been a better understanding of what happens when you have no authority in a neighborhood. And the sad thing is uh, David for your audience is this typically only happens when people get killed and if you've watched. Over the last couple of weeks, you see that the numbers of deaths, whether it's blue on black or citizen on citizen, which is really a, an a ever growing problem across the United States. That number has reached such a pinnacle that the everyday Joe Blow mom and pop are saying, whoa, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I want my law enforcement here, so I'm going to support them. And in some communities, they say, I want, I will support them. I don't like them. I'll support them. But it's that moment where we have to come in with our programs that allow a dialogue to happen first. And then the, the application of going in, supporting minority business owners and the community, hand in glove with law enforcement that creates safe, secure environment. It leads to a healthier neighborhood and one that has jobs and those become sustainable within the neighborhood. That's the key part.
0: You know, that's a fascinating story because what you've done is taken a terrible situation like this and used it as a mechanism to, in essence, build a community, which is, I guess, what your name is, One Community USA, putting frontline responders and citizens and, and leaders all together. Um, well, we can only hope that it catches on and, and that that it's One Community USA, that you continue to have the funds and the support to roll this out across the country because it's certainly something that's needed. And it's also a great message to hear uh, during the holidays. Tony Brinker is the founder, and the CEO of One Community USA. We wish you all the best. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for more of our conversation with Ms. Brinker. Go to KRLD.com/slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.